management, leadership. If you're all about that, I know that you're ready for the leaderish podcast. Ay, change your mindset because it is vital. Remembering the leader is not all about a title. It's about helping others level up, get their best. Talking about the skills, time to focus, time to represent. Hey, Dr. Brandy, break it down just like that. Time to tune in to the leaderish podcast. Hey, let's go. The Leaderish Podcast. Hey everybody, me Dr. Brandy here and welcome to another Leaderish Podcast episode. I'm super excited because this season I'm going through all of the dysfunctional management and leadership types. Number one, so that you can make sure that you're not on the list. But if you are, Uh, I want to give you some strategies to be able to adjust and adapt and make those changes that you need to level up your leadership. And then for if you're dealing with some managers like this, I want to help you figure out how to better manage them, how to better collaborate, communicate, manage conflict with these dysfunctional leadership types. So if you already have been tuning in to this season and season one, you know Keep in touch with me in my text message community, 215-608-5687. There's been so much discussion that's been happening and we've been doing a great job. People have been literally sending me questions. So if you want access to some Q&A for free, okay, without me having to charge you, make sure that you shoot me a text. So let's get into the episode for today. Today we are talking about, mm, I thought micromanagers were bad. But today I'm talking about the people pleasers, the people pleaser managers and leaders. Have you ever experienced a manager or leader that was a people pleaser? These are the almost almost the worst. We we haven't got to my narcissistic leaders and managers yet. But but the issue with the people pleasers is that if they're in a leadership role, chaos tends to ensue because you cannot be a leader and want to please everyone. You know, here's the thing about leadership and just where our world is going. You know, I believe we're in a leadership crisis in our world. We see it with our world leaders. We see it in our organization with decisions being made around so many different issues and social issues, environmental issues and health issues that are happening right now. And, and I'm a true advocate for the fact that we need to start seeing ourselves And if you're a manager or a leader, seeing the people who you serve and who you lead as leaders too, or having at least leadership potential. You know, this whole idea of followers is cute on social media, but in real life and in the workplace, you really need a workplace of leaders. Leadership is not about your title, it's about your character. And a lot of people have leadership titles, but they don't have the character at all to be able to uphold that position. And so when you get to these dysfunctional leadership types that we're talking about, imagine these organizations and most of them are filled with each of these types that I'm breaking down in this season. It's pretty scary. And then those of us that are sober minded, that are pretty level headed, that, um, you know, want to do our best and want to perform our best and put our best foot forward. Unfortunately, these dysfunctional leaders don't allow us always to do that. And so you have a few people that are in control that are dysfunctional 
professional that are not great at what they at managing others and managing people, but they are in charge of the entire workforce. So the only way to combat that, you can't wait for, to replace others. You can't wait for people to retire, but it's for the people, the frontline workers, the employees, middle management, for all of us to build that character so that when those people are exhibiting that bad behavior, they're the ones that stick out like a sore thumb. They're the ones that should feel awkward, not us. And so I want to talk about the people pleaser. Now I'm going to be people pleasers. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to be, um, no, I'm probably not going to be, uh, I was going to say as nice as possible, but that's the problem. That's what got us here today. Okay. Niceness. So I'm going to break down from psychology today a little bit of how they define a people pleaser. And you all know I have a degree in psychology, so I'm always thinking about how we're thinking and how it impacts our behavior in social settings. I take a very psychosocial approach to this. But when you think about the people pleaser, this is how they start this article on psychology today. It says, you may have a friend who pushes aside his or her needs to accommodate the needs of everyone else. The people pleaser needs to please others for reasons that may include a fear of rejection, insecurities, a need to be well liked. And if he or she stops pleasing others, they think everyone will abandon them. They'll be uncared for and they'll be unloved or that fear of failure that if they stop pleasing others, that they will disappoint them which they think will lead to punishment or some sort of negative consequence. So I said in the last episode, I'm gonna keep saying it over and over again. People pleasers are the quintessential nice girl, nice gal types. They're the angriest people I know. When I looked up the definition of nice, I found that the root word was uh, French, comes from the French language, and it means foolish. Literally, nice means foolish. And so when you think about, and some of me, I know you're thinking, Dr. Brandy, what are you saying? We should be nice at our workplace. People are already rude. So niceness is valuable. Okay, sure. But someone may think of it that way, but I think we're all adults. So we should all be personable. We should all be professional. We should all be able to show up and, and be respectful to one another. But above and beyond that, this kind of concept of just niceness for niceness sake, is really, I think, damaging, especially in our workplaces where we need more authenticity. We need more real, uh, realness, right? Is that a word? We, We need more people to be willing to lean into conflict. And so when you're natural disposition is kind of in the gear shift of nice, right? Not neutral, but I'm gonna, the end means nice on my gear shift for this conversation. But when it's there all the time to the point that you believe that if you are not nice or people pleasing, you're gonna be rejected, you're gonna be unloved, uncared for, that you, um, that people are going, that some negative consequence is gonna happen, it's damaging to everything else that you do after that. So I just wanna break this down. When you think about one of the things that this article mentioned, they talked about um, insecurities. And and when you break down this um, disorder from a psychological perspective, the people pleaser really comes from the, what we would call dependent personality disorder. So let me just break down a little bit of background. And this is not a psychology lesson for you, but I think it's important for us to start thinking about how we're showing up in a deeper way and not being so superficial about it. So if you really dig deep into people with a dependent personality disorder, they suffer from neediness that is marked by an over-reliance on others. So part of the idea of the people pleaser, people being nice to others, is because they actually need 
love back. They actually need the attention. They actually need the reciprocation. They need the validation from others. So they think that the only way others are actually going to give me what I'm missing in this void is to be nice to them. So they're not actually, here's the selfish part about it. Mm, this is getting so good. The people pleasers and the nice people are actually not even being nice to you because they're really that nice. They're only being nice to you as a function of serving their own need for that void to be filled in them. Mm. That hit some of y'all. Some it just, it just hit me. I just want to let that marinate because I think that what the nice, the characteristic and the mindset and the psychology of the people pleaser, they think they're doing it because they're nice. They think they're, they're not aware of the dysfunction of some of that, um, you know, people pleasing style, that dependent personality disorder. They actually genuinely think that they're a nice person, a nice individual. That's what drives them to do that. Although um, they have a lot of anxiety and fear at times, if maybe people don't accept their niceness or nice gestures or if they don't reciprocate. But yeah, it, get, it gets deep. But let me just let me just go on because I want to just break down some more of this um, dependent personality disorder. Also, dependent personality disorder is described as a pervasive and excessive need to be taken care of. It leads to submissive and clingy behavior as well as fear of separation. So again, a lot of this comes from how we are raised, our different parenting styles. Some, some of your parents were authoritarian. Some of your parents were, were um, um, authoritative. Some of your parents were passive. Some parents gave you anything that you wanted, so on and so forth. And so as children, we develop these different styles. Some um, some of us are dependent, some very independent. It all a lot of this stuff stems back to the first two or three years um, of your life. And so when you think about what this looks like as an adult, this dependent personality disorder has a great difficulty in making everyday decisions without excessive advice or reassurance from others. So again, the people pleaser wants to be reassured that they're okay because of some unresolved insecurity that's there. So let's take it back into the workforce, okay, before we go too far down the rabbit hole. When you think about people pleasing, here are just some traits of people pleasers that you may recognize in yourself and that you may recognize in your manager or your leaders. Now, here's the thing. One or two of these, if you have, it doesn't mean, oh my gosh, I have, I'm a people pleaser, you know. It's about consistency, pervasiveness, an ongoing part of your personality. What we know in psychology is that your personality does not change over a lifespan. It stays pretty consistent. Your maturity level can change, your ideology, your beliefs and things like that. But your core of your personality um, endures over the lifespan. So just so I say that to say if you have the majority of these, then yes, you may be in this category. But there's hope for you still, people pleasers. I'm telling you, you can still I'll, I'll say a few things to you about that before the end of the episode. Now, you may be a people pleaser if you have low self-worth, low self-esteem. OK, you accommodate everyone else's needs. I always give this joke when I'm doing like a conflict management workshop and I say, uh, I talk about the five different conflict styles and accommodator is one of those styles. People who are accommodator, they give in. And these are people pleasers. 
And so when you give in, you essentially relinquish what you want for someone else. It's actually strategically great and important to give in to others when you want to build a trust in a relationship and you and you know that the relationship is going to be long term. So, for example, a lot of times when um, let's say that you're dating, you know, that's what guys do. Right. They're going to. Oh, yes. They're going to say yes to everything in the beginning. Sure. What do you. Oh, great. They don't even like that activity. Right. You want to go out to eat. You're like, oh, I want seafood. They're like, yes. Let's go get some seafood. Let me get my EpiPen. You're like, what? You're allergic to shrimp? It's okay, but for you, I'll do it, right? It's like these excessive accommodators, right? That was a joke also. I hope no one is really doing that for love, okay? Do not put your health at risk for love. But that's okay. Accommodating, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, Being a people pleaser, giving in to others, it's nothing wrong with that strategically and for certain reasons and for certain seasons and and times. But in the relationship, at some point, you have to make your wishes known. What people pleasers do also is because they give in so much, sometimes they tend to build up resentment and they start to tell themselves a story, a lie, really. But it's a narrative that the world is so selfish, that people are super selfish. But it's not that people are that selfish. It's that you are not setting boundaries with others. You are not saying no. Others, you'll ask them to do a favor and they're not available. They'll tell you, no, they're not available. But you're upset because for the last 150 times that they asked you for a favor, even when you weren't available, you said yes. But that's on you. You should have set that boundary. And so with people pleasing, it's It can be challenging sometimes because there's a built up resentment, but then still that urge to continue to please others. Hard place to live. So let's go over some more traits. They undermine their own needs at times. Um, They go with the flow that's dictated by other people rather than maybe asserting themselves. Way too agreeable. They rarely say no. Um, They value praise from others. So I believe that when you get into a firm place of identity development, you should get to a point where someone's criticism of you and or compliment of you really shouldn't shake you either way. And so, for example, for me, I I love a great compliment. I used to not be able to accept compliments. It used to make me actually feel pretty awkward when someone would actually say, oh, I love that. That looks great. That looks nice. I like your hair. I would just cringe. It was just weird um, because I had some healing and some other things that I needed to do that I needed to kind of grapple with. But when you think about it um, and and you think about um, that people pleaser being able to get praise from others, accept it and receive it, but it shouldn't change your identity. It shouldn't fill your cup up. Right. So as you mature in your identity, it should be to the point where you value and you're thankful that someone maybe had a nice comment and it makes you feel good. But it's not the be all end all. It doesn't drive you. You're not seeking people's validation in that way. Um, And that's tough to do with social media and things like that. But keep that in mind. Another one is. People pleasers often say sorry when no apology is required. You ever work with someone that they start almost every sentence with sorry? It's like, what what are you sorry about? I'm sorry, guys, I'm late. I'm sorry, I really should have done that. Oh, I'm sorry. It's just like, and, and I believe words have power. I really do. Based on my belief system, even my faith, I believe words have power. So when you continue to say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, it starts to perpetuate this idea that like you're a sorry person. And so people pleasers, I recommend, you know, language um, is very important. 
Another thing is they make excuses for the faults of others. So instead of allowing that other person to own the fact that maybe they were late or maybe they didn't have the information or maybe they, they'll kind of fall on the sword on your behalf. You know what? No, maybe it was a little mix up. No, it was not. You know, you sent that email, you know, they had all the information and they didn't show up on time or they didn't have whatever they needed. Don't take the fall for someone else or, or make excuses for someone else's faults. And another one is has little self-awareness. And that one really goes back to that point of the nice guy, nice girl type, the people pleaser doing so much for others, being nice to others and not even being aware that they're not actually doing it for the right reason, the right motives. They really think they're a nice person, that it's genuine and sincere, but their motives are actually off. Right. So have you do you know anyone? Have you encountered anyone that's a people pleaser? Let's talk about this, though, in the context of our workforce and our workplace. When you are a manager and when you are a leader and you are a people pleaser, there are some negative things that can come about. Um, and, and here's the here's the issue that I have with people pleasers that are managers and that are leaders. The first one is problems always linger all the time. The people pleaser manager is the person who you go to them with an issue. You're like, look. Bob has been coming in late to the meetings. He's been late on those TPS reports, the projects behind, whatever is going on. And they're like, okay, thank you so much. Okay, great. And instead of addressing Bob and doing their job and maybe they're going to go to Bob and they're going to go, hi, hey, Bob, just checking in a little bit and, and, you know, everything going good with the with the project or whatever's going on. And then Bob may may say something to them. And it would be going better if if Dr. Brandy would make sure that they do this and they do that. Okay, and they have this information rather than going back or bringing everyone together, they they can often become manipulative, make promises, maybe behind closed doors or make everyone feel like they're being heard. But someone's wrong in this situation, right? Someone has to do better. Someone needs to adjust their behavior. But what the people pleaser does is they yes, everyone, but but they don't actually resolve any issue. And so you think I went to my manager. I told them what was going on with Bob. I thought they would handle it. But Bob is still exhibiting this behavior because the manager punked out. They couldn't do it. They met with Bob, but didn't go the full the full mile to be able to help him adjust his behavior. And so problems tend to linger um, with those with those managers and they don't have a backbone. I mean, that's a harsh way to say it, but that's essentially what's going on. The next thing is confusion can ensue because people pleasers never really And I hate to say they're not liars, not that they're not telling the truth, but they're not as forthright and forthcoming with certain information, typically because they've been people pleasing and they maybe know too much or they've said too much or they've listened or heard too much. So rather than them being forthright with information, they actually tend to say less, but they have a lot of information. Right. A lot of people talk to people pleasers, too. They use them as that listening ear and they, they make you feel like they may even do something about the information that you've given them, but they don't actually take action. So there can be a lot of confusion. Now, you all know that I'm in the diversity and inclusion space. And one of the things that from from this kind of diversity lens with people pleasers is they tend to be in terms of managers, inequitable, inequitable. Think about a manager that um, is managing the team, but because they're a people pleaser, they don't hold 
Janet accountable. They don't hold Bob accountable. They don't hold David accountable. So you're sitting there doing your best, showing up when you're supposed to show up. You're meeting your deadlines. You're doing everything you're supposed to do. And then you have people working right beside you who are not doing what they're supposed to do. And your manager is essentially allowing you to do more work and allowing them to do less work for their pay because they're just too afraid to confront them because they're a people pleaser. So that piece there, when you think about it, um, and even if you're a people pleaser and you're going, Dr. Brandy, I'm really trying to overcome that. I have some insecurities and other things going on that I'm working through. But I know a lot of managers that are committed to diversity, equity and inclusion or they are committed to being equitable. They understand that piece. And so let that be your um, motivation to show up in a more equitable manner rather than trying to please everyone. Because while you're trying to people please, you're actually perpetuating inequity in the workforce. Another thing is when it comes to the conflict style of the people pleasers, a lot of times you, you can tend to fall in two categories. An avoider is another one, avoiding conflict, not saying anything at all. Now, the problem with avoiding conflict is we call that a lose-lose orientation. That means that you lose because you don't allow your issue or anything to be um, heard. And, it, and we the other person loses because they don't have an opportunity to fix it. You don't give them an opportunity to actually fix things. So while you're telling yourself it's not worth it, I may might as well not say anything. I fear the rejection or the fallout they may come from confronting someone about an issue that they may have. What you're doing is you're actually saying that that, that person doesn't have the capacity to, to, to change. But what people pleasers are doing is in, in conflict avoid is they're projecting their issues on other people. And so whereas you don't want to change, you don't want to adjust, you don't want to um, maybe use more authentic communication or confront others. You're projecting that on other people and not allowing them to actually step up and show you that they do care even when you don't please them. Okay. Did you guys catch that? So as a people pleaser, what you don't want to do and as a conflict avoider, what you don't like to do, you don't want to confront, you don't want to hold people accountable because it's not nice. It's not in that box, that psychological box that you've given yourself because you've told yourself that anything outside of that box is negative. You also see others that are maybe more direct communicators that um, maybe hold you accountable. You see them as also negative. So part of it is changing how you see this idea and this concept of niceness. Sometimes the people that love you the most say the toughest things to you. You know, I don't want to be around yes people all the time that see you stumble, fumble, fall and be off point And they never. Oh, good. Everything's great. Everything's awesome. You're great. No, you want people to hold you accountable because it makes you better. And so when you think about it, you want to be able to to train yourself or teach yourself that even if I hold Bob accountable, even if I have to, you know, pull Janet aside, Janet may actually appreciate that you actually gave them some feedback to make their management practice or to make their work performance go up. And so you have to think of it that way, not that you have to um, please all the time to get love back, right? And again, it goes back to childhood. What did you have to do for your parent in order to receive love or to receive attention in some sort of way? Ple people please do things the exact right way or you will be rejected. Think about those issues. You may need to get therapy after this episode, right? Okay, and do not send me the bill, all right? We all have had to pay our dues with therapy and whatever, whatever we do to kind of heal. But, but think about that um, as a next step. And the other conflict style 
that people pleasers usually fall into is a collaboration style. So the collaborator has to talk to 50 million people before they make a decision. They're the ones that want to call a meeting. They want to get consensus. But as a manager and as a leader, sometimes you have to make that decision, even if everyone else is not pleased with it. Sometimes you have to just say, we're going to go in this direction and be okay that people didn't want you to go in that direction. That's a part of being a manager and a leader. But what people pleasers do, they, they, um, collaborate or they um, really manipulate situations under the guise of collaboration so that they don't have to make the decision and so that they can say, well, I thought we all agreed or I just wanted to honor what everybody else wanted to do. But really, they don't want to step out on their own just in case something goes wrong. They don't want to be the one to blame. It's, it lacks authenticity at the core. It lacks vulnerability at the core. But in order to be vulnerable, we have to be self-aware which is one of the last characteristics that um, people pleasers sometimes lack some of that self-awareness, but that's the key. So, okay, y'all, we're at that part of the episode where I already know you need a break. You're like, Dr. Brainy, really, that's what you did? That's what you told me about myself? But here's the thing, you can change, you have a choice now, okay? You have a choice and a decision to be made on how you're gonna adjust. Now, specifically with the people pleasers, what you're going to have to do if you are identifying as like a, a legit hardcore, like this really is you. It's not just in certain situations or with certain people. You are, you are going to have, you are going to need courage, literally. You're going to need courage in order to move forward. You're going to have to be willing to put yourself outside of your comfort zone. And here's the lie that you've told yourself that has not been working for you. Listen to me when I tell you people will still love you anyway, even if you do not accommodate their every need. People will actually start accommodating your needs if you assert yourself and you communicate and you let them know what you need. Think the think better of people, because when you're a people pleaser and you feel that you'll only get a positive response if you're nice to others. Part of that is you not thinking the best in others. But there are so many people in this world that are friendly, too. They're nice, too, with balance and within reason. Um, now, if you're dealing with the people pleaser, you really don't even have much homework because you're living your best life. OK, you're getting everything that you want from them. Just make sure you're not taking advantage of that people pleaser. Now, if your manager is the people pleaser and they're causing confusion, a lot of conflicts are going unresolved and things like that, you're going to have to step up. Because they're a people pleaser, they're not even going to be mad at you. They probably have been waiting for someone else to take the leadership role from this point forward. So the great thing is if you're dealing with a manager who is a people pleaser, you step up, you call things out, you make things known and make sure that you can create some strategies to get things back on track and then ask for their permission to move forward in whatever strategies and things that you're looking to do. Nine times out of 10, because they're a people pleaser, they'll actually say yes. It's all about what's in it for me. Be able to articulate to other people how whatever you're suggesting is going to benefit them and they'll be more likely to go along with what you want to do. But yeah, people pleasers, if that's your manager or leader, you'll have an easy time making some adjustments because they're already on your side. All right, y'all, that's it. Make sure, shoot me a text message, shoot me an email or a message on my website, drbrandy.com. If you have any of your management, people-pleasing, super nice guy horror stories, I just want to hear the horror stories, okay, right now, so that we can know that we are not alone. I love to kind of dissect case studies and things like that, too. So let me know. You can connect with me on LinkedIn and all over social media at the Dr. Brandy, and I will catch you on our next episode. Leaderish Podcast.